first candle is the candle hope. It is the hope candle because God sent his son, Jesus, as a savior who will transform the weak, afflicted, mocked, and the shame, and gather them together safely in his presence. Therefore, we can all hide our hopes in him. In these hopes come the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Old Testament, as well as the promises of the New Testament, which hold 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 true for us today. We have the hope that Jesus, resurrected son of, as resurrected Son of God, offers us atonement for our sins, forgiveness for our faults, healing of our wounds, and reconciliation to God, creator of all. Our scripture comes from Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the lands of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the days of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood will be used for the burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In the candle of hope, we are no longer prisoners of this broken world, but have the hope that comes with freedom. Freedom from sin, addiction, pain, and so much more. We have a hope that there will be a day when we are free from all the brokenness this world offers and that it is promised and that is promised in Christ. Let's pray. We come before you, Father God, with a heart of thanksgiving for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he was willing to leave the glory of heaven and enter into a broken world so that we could have forgiveness from our sin and hope for a day when we will no longer live in a broken, dying world, but in the presence where fullness of joy can become known. May we serve you in all we do and live boldly in the hope that you have given us. Amen.
looking forward with reasonable confidence is a beautiful thing. It's a reassuring thing, and that's what Jesus has done for us. We place our hope in many things. Some are good, some are not. We place our hope in our favorite sports team. You know, I hope they'll do it this year. You know, a lot of us for years and years and years, you just keep on hoping. That's right, go Mariners. We keep hoping. And then come the end of April, we're like, well, there's always next year. We put our hope in our family. We believe that our children are going to go farther than we did and become more than what we did, and that's a good thing. It's good to believe in them. It's good to have our hope in them. But that hope can fail and that hope can fade. We put our hope in our job. Whether we realize it or not, we believe that our job is going to lead us to that place of security. Put our hope in what we've already attained, and yet a lawsuit or a fire or bad health can quickly make that dwindle away. Put our hope in our church sometimes. The church is going to be there when I need them, and they're going to see me through. And, you know, it's my desire that we are that. But the church is full of people and people fail. I tell people oftentimes that if your hope is in me, I'm going to let you down. Doesn't mean we can't be friends. Doesn't mean I hope, you know, I hope you'll continue to like me. But I'm going to let you down. But when we place our hope in Christ, we have a reasonable confidence that we can look forward with a great desire. We have reasonable confidence that our hope is going to be met. Hope is more than a simply defined word, though. Hope is healing in the midst of a disease. Whatever the disease is, we can be healed. Hope is freedom from addiction. Whatever we're stuck in, wherever it is, he can help us move beyond that. Hope is light in the darkness. One of the things I enjoy about going to Wisconsin is we're, when I say we're like in the middle of nowhere, that's not true, but you can just about get to the middle of nowhere from there. Um, I can remember back in the 80s, I know that was a long time ago, that was the 1980s for those of you who don't know what decade I'm even referring to. And uh, back then there were only three, three people who lived on the lake year-round. So there was only three real electric lights you'd see when you'd go up there in the winter. And I remember going home from college one year, and we went there for three days, and the temperature for three straight days was 100 below zero. For three straight days, we never left the building except to run out to use the outhouse and then run back. We in fact, we played, we'd play a lot of cards and do a lot of things like that. We actually would be sl- sitting in our sleeping bags at the table playing cards because it's a concrete slab floor and we couldn't get the concrete warm enough to stand without that. But you walk out there at night and you don't have electric light and you look and you cannot believe how many stars exist, how many galaxies. There was a night when I needed to go out and use the facilities, and it was a cloudy, kind of a dark night. All the stars were blocked, and I decided, I don't know why, but I didn't turn on the front porch light because I do this all the time. What's the use of turning on the front porch light? I know my way there and back. And I made it there fine, and then I walked out, and I'm only 20 feet from the building, but I cannot see the building. 
You want to talk about feeling lost. In the middle of the night, in the winter, you feel lost quick. I got down, because I thought, if I walk, I won't know how many steps. So I got down on my hands and knees and felt along until I felt one tree. Okay? Then I felt the next tree, and I worked my way on my hands and knees back to the building. In my own yard, I was lost. Sometimes that's what it's like in our own life. It's still in our own surroundings, but we feel lost and we feel hopeless. That simple light, when you're in the dark, can make all the difference between making it through today and not making it through. Hope is life in a barren womb. I've talked oftentimes about when Tracy and I lost a baby, how it really sent me into a tailspin because I couldn't understand God in that moment. I just couldn't understand him. We always wanted more kids. We always felt like our family wasn't quite complete. Not that we should have found our completeness in that, but we always wanted more kids. I couldn't understand it. But there's hope in that barren womb. Hope for life. Hope is promises that are yet to be fulfilled the things that you know that God has told you and you don't understand how they could possibly be. You don't understand how it could happen. And yet Abraham doesn't understand how he can have a son and he tries to take matters into his own hand and that actually backfires terribly. There had been a promise, but he didn't believe and he failed to have hope. When we fail to have hope, sometimes the consequences are dire. The text that the toadies read this morning that James read, um, or that Amy read, starts with, in verse 1, it says, gloom will not be upon her. In other words, it doesn't matter what's happened, there's going to be freedom. Just ignore the lights. Um, I think our Christmas lights, which are beautiful, are taking a little more power than the ceiling lights want, so we're just going to go with it. (laughs) Gloom will not be upon her. It doesn't matter what she's faced or what she's experienced. There's not going to be gloom. There's not going to be depression. We're going to be free from that. Where do we find the freedom from that? Not in our own ability to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but in our ability to rely on hope. (coughs) Verse 2 talks about from darkness to great light. I mentioned a moment ago what it's like when you're in darkness and you can't find your way back. From darkness to great light means we're sitting there unaware and suddenly we can see things clearly. I like that picture because it helps us understand what we have to look forward to. One of the, I love lighthouses. Uh, I just think they're cool places. I've been to three or four different lighthouses. And um, first one I ever went to, uh, the thing I loved about it was I didn't understand how lighthouses worked. I always thought they just had lots and lots of bright lights, but they don't. They have one very bright light and a lot of mirrors. And as it turns, what it does is you're not actually catching all the light. You're catching the reflection of the light, which then magnifies it and makes it go way out to sea. It's not one giant spotlight. It's one big bulb. It's a pretty big-sized bulb, but it's the mirrors. I've been to the oldest lighthouse on the Pacific coast. It was down in Mazatlan. We went down there last year. It was built in uh, the 1800s, early 1800s. They actually originally used whale blubber to light the thing at night. And we decided we were going to hike to the top of this. I thought, 
How hard can it be? I thought I was going to die. <laughs> we began to, our hike up. By the way, the hike down, much, much easier, just for the record. If you can make it up, coming down is no problem. But we began our hike up, and we're pushing ourselves, and we get up there, and you look at this building, and they built a building in the uh, mid-1900s. But you see, like they tells you all about it, and you can see where the actual original fire pits were even, these kind of holes in the ground now. But to light the way, to let people know that there were rocks ahead, and also to let people know there's a safe port nearby. People knew that they were coming into something. Sometimes I think we forget that life can be full of rocks. But we've got light, and that light is hope. Verse 3 tells us that the harvest will be plentiful. Some of us in our life, we need, we need a good harvest. Our fields have been dry for too long. We're looking and we're saying, I put things out there. When is this seed going to return to me? And I'm here to tell you, hope tells us the harvest is going to be plentiful. Hope tells us that this isn't the end of the season, but the season is going to be beautiful and full. When you walk across a field at this time of year, I don't know if you've ever been in farm country, but this week I spent walking across fields, and you're sinking in mud, and there's a mixture of frozen ground and soft ground, and it's hard walking, and it's difficult. But my thought is, next year, this is going to be full of life again. And whether they put in corn or soybeans or winter wheat, next year, there's going to be a plentiful harvest here again. And I mean, normally I don't even think about it. Normally I just walk through. But the thought was in my mind because this is what I've been ruminating on. That some of us are stuck in this winter season where there's nothing in our field. I went to my friend's farm and he was telling me his dad planted radishes. And I was like, is there a good market for radishes? He said, no, we won't even... We're not even going to pick the radishes. We're just planting them because if you, I picture radishes as like, you know, this little thing about the size of a Super Bowl. And he pulls out a radish and it's bigger than an onion. And he said, they're great for opening up the ground. So we plant them and he said, if you leave them, they'll go all winter and they grow all winter and they'll just keep. And he said, so they open up the ground and they get it ready for the spring. Some of us, we planted things long ago and it seems like they're not coming up but they may be opening hard places in the ground that we don't even know it. Hope tells us that field is not barren, that field is not dead. We just need to give time for those things to come to fruition. We need to give time for those things to develop and grow. We need to stop thinking of everything we planted as the size of a Super Bowl when it wants to be bigger than a big onion. They want to expand, they want to push, but in the midst of having this barren field, it doesn't feel that way. Verse 5 indicates that we no longer have to fight, that the battle belongs to the Lord. It says you're going to burn those bloody battle clothes. Too many of us keep wearing them with a badge of pride instead of saying, I don't need these anymore. The fight has already been fought for me. We're still ready to go and we're ready to fight. And he's saying, stop fighting and rest. Take these things off. Burn them. You don't need to battle anymore. Hope says the battle's been won. But fear says, I'm going to keep preparing to fight. One of my struggles with the American church today is so much of our 
imagery and symbolism comes to violence and battles and fighting, I think it's time to just be in peace. And they'll say, but we're at war with the world. No, most of the time we're at war with ourselves. The world doesn't even know we exist. But if we'd spend more time loving one another, we wouldn't be quite so at war. My enemy is not the person who doesn't believe. My enemy is the one who has deceived them. And Jesus has taken care of that. I need to stop fighting and find ways to build bridges of peace between them and not get in arguments over stupid, petty things. The greeting they give me in a store, or the whatever it is that we get caught up in, and just believe that he's fought that battle. I need to live it out in confidence. Finally, it says, Christ will be the fulfillment of all we need. Verse 6, here's the actual words. I want to read it to you again, and it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called, listen to these names, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How many of us in our life need a father? I have a great earthly father, but I still need a spiritual father God. Some of you may have had bad fatherly relationships and you're like, have real trouble with that term, father. But imagine the best father you could imagine. Imagine your Ward Cleaver picture of dad and then go far beyond that. He's wonderful. He's our counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. We don't need to fight the battle. Our battle clothes have been burned. Because we have a prince of peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. In other words, there's no end to the peace he can bring. And there's no, the increase of his government is not the kingdom of the world. It's the kingdom of heaven. When you stop thinking, I've got to build a kingdom here, and start thinking, I've got to build an eternal kingdom, it changes your mindset and the way you view people. It changes how we approach and how we view things. A few things the text doesn't say is it never says you'll be without darkness. It says he'll be a light in that darkness. There's times that are dark. There's times that are gloomy. But he's going to be a light in that darkness. It doesn't say we'll have no storms. It says he's the prince of peace. So in the midst of that storm, we can still have peace. doesn't say there'll be no wounds. It says you've got bloody battle clothes on. The wounds are still there, but we can lay those aside. Hope does not mean that life has no trials. It means that we have something to hold on to in the midst of those trials, and in the end, we win. The hard part is we want the win now, and we want life to be easy. There's a line in the movie, The Princess Bride. Anybody ever see that movie? He looks and he says, Life is pain, princess, and anybody who tells you differently is selling something. That's what Wesley says to Princess Buttercup at one point. Life is pain. But life can be filled with hope in the midst of that pain. Life can be filled with so much more. 
Today's candle traditionally is called the, the candle of prophecy. That's what they, in many churches today, they'll be lighting the candle of prophecy. I say the prophecy is this. That when Jesus comes, things are going to change. And the beauty in that is that we don't have to be held captive by that same broken wall. You don't have to be held captive by that same thing. As we celebrate this Advent season, pretty much the message is you can read your cover of your bulletin. It's going to tell you exactly what we're talking about the next few weeks. Look, hope, love, joy, peace. How many of you would say those are things that maybe you could use a little more of in your life? If we could walk in that spirit throughout the year, what a freeing thing that would be. Since Martin Luther's day, we've had the Advent wreath and the Advent candles, and the names have changed, the titles of the candles have changed. If you go to a more formal church, they have specific colors. And that's fine, that's great. But the most important thing is not the colors or the names we give them. The most important thing is that we remember the reason we do it is because Jesus is coming back again. Our hope is meaningless if there's not a promise of his return. Because it's the fulfillment, I have said it before, the resurrection is what matters, not the crucifixion. If he just died for your sins but wasn't resurrected, then it's meaningless. It was the resurrection that matters. The birth without the crucifixion and resurrection, then the birth doesn't matter. But it was through the life that he lived and the laying down of that life that we have what we have today, which is the candle of hope. Over the next few weeks, we'll be talking about hope, love, joy, and peace. It's as simple as it gets. It's as simple as it comes, is that because of the sacrifice he made, you, as an individual, have hope. And let's walk in that. Father God, I thank you for this day and for this opportunity to gather together. Lord, may we live in and walk in the hope that only you give. May we be confident in knowing that that hope comes from you and that our life is complete in you. And we can't make it complete no matter what else we put in, no matter what else we try to add outside of you. In your name, amen. Um, just wanted to give you a little update on what's going on in, in both LifePoint and, and in our lives. Uh, some of you may have been at the meeting we had uh, about six weeks ago, and we talked about uh, that I would be helping out another church for a few weeks. That starts today. So from this point for the next, um, basically for the next few months, I will not be here after service to talk to. However, I'm still available by phone. I'm still available by email. I'm still available just throughout the week. And um, I will be available before service for at least 30 minutes. I usually arrive somewhere, today I got here about 7.20. And that's, you know, usually I'm here between 7 and 7.30. I'm available to you as your pastor. This is not my quest to become pastor somewhere else. This is not my 
you know, strategic plan to try and do anything, you know. People keep asking me, well, what's your plan? I don't have one. <laughs> what I'm doing is saying, God, how can I best be used to love and impact the greatest number of people, which is what I would want for each of you to be asking. And when opportunity comes, I'm going to take that opportunity and I'm going to love people to the greatest of my ability. Now, if you feel like you're not being pastored well, then please tell me. I'm still available, you know, Tuesday through Friday every week. I, you know, I'll be either in an office or at least, at the very least, I'll be available by phone. But uh, don't hesitate to, to drop me an email or to give me a call when you need things. Know that I'm continuing to pray for you. Know that this isn't, uh, well, who's this favorite going to be? There is not going to be a favorite. We are all equal. <laughs> we are all equal. And um, that this is not, this is not permanent either. I, I know that this, is, in my mind, this is not permanent. I'm not saying it won't be a longer term than four months, but at that time, we'll begin to ask ourselves, how can we be more effective in reaching our community again? So I hope that this won't keep you away. I hope that this won't cause you to not bring and include people for Advent. Again, I'll be available before service each week. The Java Doc's going to be open for 20 to 30 minutes after service each week. Though There's treats in there today. Have your beverage. Stick around. Talk with people. Because in case you don't know it, I'm not the key to LifePoint being a functioning, fulfilling church. You are. And the relationships you build here are far more important than what I say up here on a Sunday morning. I hope I inspire you. I hope I challenge you. I hope I make you think about things in a different way. But if you don't build relationships with the people you're sitting around, this church will never meet your needs. It just can't. The church meets your needs when you as individuals begin to build relationship with one another and you have somebody to love you, walk with you, pray with you. Because I'm one individual and I'm a flawed one at that but God looked and said for whatever reason this is what I have for you and so I'm going to do it with the absolute best of my ability and greatest passion that I can so know that you're valued and know that you're loved and know that I'm not taking off right away because I don't want to be with you but I'm taking off right away because I'm going to repeat this message again in 30 minutes Oh, it is the Evergreen Church. I guess I never did tell you guys where. It's the Evergreen Church in Burien, which is on First Avenue. You are welcome if you want to. Here's the thing. I'm trying to keep them separate churches because I'm only going to be there four months and I don't want you to change churches. <laughs> Just be honest. I don't want you to go, hey, man, we like this place. It's a bigger sanctuary or whatever. Um, so it's the Evergreen Church in Burien. Obviously, I would never tell you whether it was another church I was pastoring or any church where to go to church. What I would say is, Plant yourself somewhere. Be so committed to that place that whether I come or go, you are committed to that place and the relationships within that building. That's what I would tell anybody, whether they were here or somewhere else. If there comes a point at which you need to leave, which they say at any given time, 30% of the people in your church are contemplating leaving, that's the reality, then talk to me. We've had people leave since I've been here. We've had people leave in the last few months. Some of them, I totally understand it. Some of them, I'm still going, what? Why? I don't get it. But that's okay. I don't have to get it. What I have to do is love you through it and pastor you to the best of my ability. So 
It's the Evergreen Church. It's on First Avenue in Burien. And um, that's where I will be from now through Easter during what was our traditional second service. Somebody else asked me, well, will we start a second service again on Sundays? And I said, when we need to and our worship areas are covered, we'll, I'll do it. we'll figure out. We can maybe do a Sunday night and move youth group upstairs. We may do a Saturday night and do something that way. But at this point, we don't need to and we don't have the worship people in place to be able to right now. So that's where we're at. Normally I'd ask if there's any questions, but it's just kind of an awkward place. It's weird. It's just a church service. I'm not used to doing question and answer time. Maybe I should more. All right. I love you guys. Have a blessed week. We'll see you later.